0: Good morning, church. Good morning, Nathan. I, I love being here. I love being with the church. I get something out of it. It's not, it's kind of selfish because being with you all gives me courage. Being with you all gives me joy. I don't know if you could call that selfishness, but there's some of that's involved. I love being here. I love being a part of this church, and I love serving here. Uh, As well, with you all. Uh, We're starting off a series today called Neighborhood Watch. Uh, And we'll get to all of that in just a minute. But we're going to start somewhere. Uh, We're going to start in the first chapter of Genesis because it's a pretty good place to start anything, uh, because it is the beginning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip over to the first chapter of Genesis. Um, God is really quite busy here, Um, He's got a lot of good work to do, and He only has six days to do it. Boom. Light, water, land, vegetation. Boom. Sun, stars, and planets. Boom. Birds and fish. Boom. Animals, humans. All of this in a very rapid succession. And then, depending on how you count, there's at least four different ways the concept of to create is presented in this first chapter. At least four. Some of them are really quite Almost offhanded. Jesus, or God says, let it be, and then it was. A literal boom. It occurred. Uh, Some of it is a little bit more focused. Uh, When it refers to, when God created the animals uh, on the land, it uses a form that means to shape, like you would uh, shaping something with a knife, like whittling, almost. And I think that there's a lot of importance in the language that is used. It's a whirlwind of a chapter, and has a wonderfully rich pattern and cadence to it, and it's definitely worth your time to spend on your own exploring it. Exploring the wonderful creative power as well as the logic and pattern of God's creation. But it's easy when reading it to feel kind of lost in all of the hubbub, in all of the motion, To feel that humans are just a small part of God's wonderful, masterful creation. Indeed, there are many people in the world who would prefer to look at humans as just highly evolved mammals. In 2005, the London Zoo had a temporary human exhibit housing a group of people who had won an online contest. It's kind of weird. It's kind of wonderful. Also, I would go watch it just because it would be strange to see. But the purpose of it, the purpose of this exhibit was to downplay the uniqueness of humans as a as a species because of one, one, one thing that they were trying to do. They were trying to, I guess, in hopes that if people saw themselves as a part of nature, they would then care more about nature. I can get on board with part of that concept. I think it, as humans, we are put in stewardship of this world, and it's important for us to care about it. However, that is not what I want. There we go. However, I can't agree with downplaying the u- uniqueness of human beings. My faith and beliefs aside, humans evolving into what we have become is a mathematical impossibility. Not a literal impossibility, but mathematically so, so improbable, it's impossible. We're not going to spend much time talking about the, the maths of all that because, honestly, I'm not here to convince a non-believer of this fact, and plus, I'm not really that great at math. But if you'd like to read an article, I can give it to you. And it's like one with like a trillion or more zeros, one to a four trillion. It's It's ridiculous how many things would have to fall into place through randomness for humans to be where we are today, to even exist at all. But again, I'm not here to convince a non-believer. What I am here to do and what I can do is show you in Scripture how much God treasures humanity and encourage you to see people with that same light, whether they're friend or enemy, neighbor or stranger, holy or sin-filled, that they are worth our time and worthy of our love. They're worthy to know and, and, and to believe that each and every human, no matter what their personality, what their value, what their background, they all have intrinsic value which God baked into them at creation. Of all of God's creation, what makes humans so special? then? Well, we can go back into the language. But we're worthy of God's attention because, long story short, He made us special. He made us worthy. Worthy of that attention, of that extra time. If you go ahead and look in Genesis chapter one sixteen, it says, God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made stars. There's some important things going on here, and I want you to look at this. Now, what we have here is English, and it was originally in Hebrew. I don't have the Hebrew here because none of us can read it. But I did look at a lot of different sources trying to to see if, if this translation is accurate. And, and, it, and it is. This concept that he also made the stars is shoved in at the end like an aside, like an afterthought. Purposely disconnected from the part where it said the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars as separate from that. I want you to think about that and consider that for a moment. Who here looks up into the night sky and is filled with awe and wonder? I love it. It's amazing to me to look at the vast field of almost infinite stars and and just contemplate that God created all of that. And, And what I can see is only a tiny piece of it. And that's amazing to me. Mysterious as they are wonderful, but yet God... Effortly, effortlessly wills them into existence with just a thought. God could have easily willed humanity into existence as well, but he didn't. It didn't say that God shaped animals to, to roam the land and he made humans. God could have easily willed us into existence. He did not. In, in Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 27, it said, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the heavens, the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God breaks his pattern of saying, let there be this, and then there was. He breaks his pattern to take a moment to say to to God, to say to himself, to his three persons, I have an idea. Let's make man in our image. It's important that the pattern is broken because he takes that beat to make something special, to do something special. God made man and in his own image and with his own purpose in mind. It wasn't, hey, let's make him in our own image, that'll be cool to see. He made us in his image so that we could dwell on earth and reign dominion over it and care for it. I want you now to shift your focus to Genesis chapter 2. Here we get more of a macro lens version of God's creation of humanity. Specifically in Genesis 2 verse 7 says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. God formed man from dust as a man forms pottery or sculpture out of clay. The word he uses here is different from all of the other words that he used for creation and to make and to made in the first chapter. God took time and he formed man. There's importance in the words. Not only that, he did something that he didn't do with any other parts of his creation. He breathed his own life into it. Energizing it. Giving his creation life. Not simply by willing it into existence, but doing so with his own breath. It's amazing to me that something that we can marvel at and be... Filled with wonder at his mysteries, like the stars in the sky, God creates simply. But the things that we often dismiss quickly because of how mundane they are, i.e., the people around us, who we quickly, that's ah, just another person. God spent special time forming. In some of David's psalms, he he talks about how, how God knit him together in the womb. Taking time in creation, not just in the creation of Adam, but in the creation of each of us. God made us special. We are special because God willed it to be so. He took extra time, extra precision to create, not just... As an afterthought. Let's jump back to Genesis chapter 1 because there's probably some of you here today who think I glossed over a pretty important point. And that's okay, I forgive you. You're wrong, but I forgive you. I love you, even though you doubted me. In chapter 1 verse 27, so God created man in his own image and in his image he created him, male and female, he created them. When God made a decision to create humanity, his goal was that humanity would resemble him, would look like him. Not just be something new, not just to be something unique, but that if someone were to see it, they would be able to see God. I'm amazed at how often when I'm out and about with my boys, people, perfect strangers, take times out of their day to come to me and tell me how much they look like me. They're like, oh, those boys of yours, they, they look just like you. My first reaction is, how dare you insult my kids? Who do you think you are? Usually I don't respond that way because I know that they mean it as a compliment that that they can see aspects of them, aspects of me in them. It's not a perfect representation. But the image is there. Now if I had to... I mean, honestly, though, I think they look a lot more like Ery, but I personally think that's much more of a compliment than saying they look like me. But I do have to admit that there's a lot of me in their faces. A lot of me in how they act. If I had to choose one, I think that Sora looks more like me. Not 2020, Nathan, but like 1987 to 88, Nathan. We love being able to see ourselves in our children. We love being able to look at them and, and see aspects of our own history in them. And I think we, we find most of our pride in seeing our behavior, at least the good behavior, in our children. Not our bad, beha- our bad behavior, because their be- bad behavior comes from your spouse's side of the family. Am I Right? It's always the other side of the family. But we love being able to see them mirroring lessons that we've taught them in our lives. We love being able to say that they are in the image of how we've taught them to live because we've spent a lot of time helping them grow into full-fledged humans, teaching them and showing them how to navigate the world safely and effectively. We have a sense of fear as parents that we may fail to instill in them the right morals and virtues, which we believe will serve them in the lives that they have ahead of them. But right or wrong, they reflect their parents and how they act. Because we spend the most time with them, and that's what they see as their example. Now back to the idea of being in God's image. That verse, chapter 127, theologians and scholars, both laymen and professional alike, have written numerous articles debating and arguing and fighting over what it actually means. Does this mean that God has ten fingers and ten toes? Is that what it means by we are made in God's image? Is it more metaphorical that that God is three parts and so humans are three parts in body, soul, and spirit? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of all of these things. But I don't think The point of anything that we even find in the Bible is about our physical traits. God does not find pride in the fact that we physically look like him. Even if that means that he has ten fingers and ten toes. That's not what he wants us to look like. What he wants us to look like is the likeness of his actions as we've seen through his son Jesus. The way he lived his life here on earth, what he taught us to do and how to live it's those similarities that God truly desires us to have to reflect his image of to reflect God's compassion, love, and care. In John chapter 13:35 Jesus says, "By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love." One another. People will know that we are Christians not because of jewelry that we wear, whether it's a gold cross necklace or a, a nylon, what would Jesus do, bracelet. That's not what shows his followers. It's what his people do and the love that, he, that they show. That's how we reflect God's image. God may have made man in his image, but humanity has spent basically all of time since then trying to hide that fact. We'll call it a really long rebellious phase. A phase where humanity sought to distance themselves from the image of God so that we could be humanity in our own image rather than in the image that God had set before us. And because of this, it really sometimes feels unnatural To reflect God's image in our lives. To be selfless in a world that teaches you that selfishness is okay. In fact, it's self-preservation. We need to seek to break those bonds that we have in our culture and seek to be more like Christ rather than more like the world. We're made to be like God, to demonstrate love and compassion and care. And if we believe this to be true, then the only thing left for us to do is to do that. Which again, like we talked about last week, it's a simple concept, but it's hard to do. It's hard to follow through with. But we still must actively seek out ways to love one another. The term neighborhood watch uh, often invokes a fear-based mentality that we have banded together to keep our eyes out because there is people out there trying to get us. That's not what this series is going to be about. The series is more about expanding our concept of who our neighbor is and who the community is that God has put us in so that we can watch out and care for one another during times of trial and times of triumph. God has formed and fashioned each one of us for his good purpose. He's placed us in a specific position and in specific locales to do his goodwill. He's populated each one of your communities with people who are equally important and treasured as you are. Which is hard to remember sometimes. That that person who, who believes this way or votes that way, that they too are a child of God and deserve love and kindness and service and respect. It's really hard to make efforts to go out of our way to serve those people. But it's our duty as Christians to seek out all who are worthy of God's love and then to offer access to it. And the rub is that all are worthy of God's love because He made us so. God created us to be worthy last few weeks our world has drastically changed around us the speed of the spread of this particular virus around the globe is something that i never thought i would ever see i thought in the modern world that we lived in that this kind of pandemic or epidemic was a thing of the past that our modern understandings of science and and medicine could prevent this from happening but we or at least i i don't know about you guys i was proven wrong But luckily, the church is built for times like this, to be an anchor of support in a world tossed in the waves of chaos. So I encourage you to be cautious when caution is wise, but don't let that fear cover up the image of Christ that you profess. That's the important part. We talked about in our Bible class this morning, which, if you ask, it wasn't much of a Bible class. It was more of a let's, what can we do kind of class. The church has survived numerous plagues throughout history. In the first 400 years, there was at least four really big ones. And the church not only survived it, it thrived during it. And it was because Christians didn't run. They didn't leave. They didn't abandon those who are sick. and said they cared for their families. They cared for their neighbors, whether they were Christian or pagan. They showed them caring and love. They helped them get clean and clean water, and food to eat. And those people who received that care were more likely to survive. And they were also more likely to ask, why are you doing this? You barely know me. Why did you save me when my family left? And they were able to say, well, let me tell you about my God. Because my God wants me to love people. And and I, I saw you were hurting, and I chose to love you. And because of that, the Lord's church flourished. We live in a unique moment right now, a moment where the church can stand up, just like it has done numerous times in the past, and be that anchor of support and care and stability in a world tossed into the phrase of chaos. And I don't want us to miss that moment. I don't want to miss that opportunity to be God's hands and feet when he needs it, which is right now. So I encourage you, seek out new and wonderful ways that you can be God's hands and feet during this time. There are numerous ways that you can serve the people around you. If you're one of the people that in the last two weeks have bought all of the toilet paper, maybe you should start giving it to people. (laughs) Don't sell it to people. You already can't sell it on Amazon anymore or eBay. They've shut down those price gougers. So maybe if you did prepare, overly so maybe, I don't know, give it to those in need. They'll be shocked that someone gave them free toilet paper, which is a really weird thing to say out loud. <laughs> if you see someone or you know someone, uh, whether at work or a family member or a neighbor, who is older and, and is probably shouldn't go shopping because of going into public is both stressful and maybe unsafe, offer to bring them food. That's easy. That's not hard. I want to encourage you that if you know people who need help, that have some kind of need, bring that information to the church so that we can partner with you and we can help and go and do and serve the community. There's a lot of people who are going to be hurting in a lot of different ways. Maybe medically because they're directly affected by this. A lot of times financially because of the loss of income, because of all of the other stuff that's going on right now. We need to be willing to step up and to show love and to be support for them in their time of need. I want you to look into your communities and seek out those who are overlooked. One of the things we talked about in our our youth group class was... um, maybe making little care packages for homeless people. Because at times of crisis like this, those people on the margins are the first people ignored. That can be a place for us to show love to those other people feel maybe unsafe to love. Now, be cautious. As we said on the Facebook post, you know, let's make sure we Keep safe distances and we're not just hugging on everybody. But show love. Don't be afraid to show love because God was incredibly reckless with his love for us. Incredibly reckless. Yet he chooses to love us anyway. And again, in all of this, I want to encourage you, bring people's names to us. If you don't know how to help them maybe someone else can have an idea but but delivering food going and picking up prescriptions for people all of these things are quite easily done if we're just willing to do it and i've got a bunch of teenagers who are out of school for 2 weeks so i got a lot of labor in this time of uncertainty i want to leave you with colossians chapter 3 15 through 17 let the peace of christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom through the psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. In whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. Let's pray. Dear God, we live in a a crazy world right now, Lord, but we know that you are still in control as you always are. God, help us not give in to fear that that can be seen driving many people to, to, to very strange attitudes and behaviors, but God, let us use your wisdom to seek out ways that we can serve people who are in need right now and not just do what the world does, which is to turn inwardly and hide away from other people and and, and to just care about our own self-preservation, God, but Help us to look out for others who may be lost in all of this hubbub. Open our eyes to our neighbors and our family members who are in need of help right now. Help us to, to, to take charge of that, to take responsibility for our neighbors, and to seek out ways we can love them. So In your name we pray.